But, okay, if you are in, say, some di giant dungeon deep into the dank depths of other D-words, um, dank depths <laughs> of darkness, dungeon... Of dungeon delving. Dank, dark, dungeons of dark, druidly daisies. Just as a reminder, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. The notes of what series are going to pop up will be in the description. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Gaming Theater Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about Talking Skulls, Other Skulls, and just Famous Skulls in general. This is episode four, Talking Skulls and Famous Skulls. Now, with that, I've got a couple of guests here who's going to help get through this subject for it, and we'll introduce each other. Once again, my name is Leo, I am Geek Scorpio, and with me today is... I'm Dean Dane! Hi! Twitch.tv slash Dean Dane, I don't know what I'm supposed to say here, I'm sorry! Now that's Dane! <laughs> Leo, we, we didn't discuss the script on this! There isn't much of a script, you just say your name! Oh. oh. Dean Dane! I'm Ben, I'm El Penguin. And I'm Brittany, I also go by Spice and Rose. I think I would have learned how to do this since I've already done one, and yet here I am. My apologies, Leo. Oh, that's okay. You know what? Um, I mean, same. <laughs> For reals, he's the only person who gets on the ball, and this one so far has been Steve. He is, he is ready to go every time. So before we get started, let's take a trip over to the Magical Merch booth and see what kind of merch we have today. Heck yeah. yeah. You, you do need like, some catchy mall music. Look at that thing. Elevator 4. We're <laughs> going on an adventure! Hooray! Ah, uh, we don't need catchy mall music. Well, we got the bard over here who still manages the magical merch booth. He just doesn't do a great job. Although he is selling a couple of things that, uh, from your Spice and Rose stuff. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? <laughs> oh god, it was a trap. Um... <laughs> So yeah, I am a traditional media fantasy illustrator who also dabbles with the anime stuff because he doesn't love anime. Um, do a lot of illustrations, sticker sheets, uh, coloring pages, and if you are interested in seeing my work, uh, quickest way to do that is to go to spiceandrose.carrd.co. That is my card. It'll show you a bit of my portfolio and quick links to wherever you want to go. Yep, and we'll make sure there's a link at the bottom of this description. Huzzah! It's amazing. It looks like the lines are starting to move. The show's about ready to go, so let's get back up to the show. Alright, so today we're talking about Talking Skulls and Famous Skulls. Now, the main reason why we titled it The Talking Skulls is because for another legendary artifact of gaming episode that we did, there was an episode on talking skulls. I, um, Brittany did the artwork for some of those for some of that episode, and Dane was a narrator for that episode. I was. It was a fun one to do too. So the reason why we were talk about talking skulls is because skulls themselves are symbolically important to um, the nature of other storytelling and such. Um, to quote the, the Illustrated Signs and, uh, and Symbols of Source book by Adele Nozadar, 
It's the skull is considered the most important bone in the human body, as it was believed to contain the life force of both body and spirit. If the skull is ever severed from the body, it results in instant death, hence the power of the skull. So, skulls themselves are symbolic towards death, but more to that, they're symbolic towards um, the soul for long periods of time in ancient history. And that's just mostly because... It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that if the skull is severed from the head, it's, you're just gone. That's that's just it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are talking about talking skulls. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, that Doolahan are a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Headless horsemen, right? They don't have skulls as such. Okay, there's that one guy. Hey, hey. Until we find out what's at the bottom of the Disney Ooh. vault, we're not mm, quite sure yet, okay? True. But that's the thing. Skulls are super important. Um, you don't see, hear too much about people with a uh, still moving around leg being important. And I think as far as hands go, move, that are still moving around or arms, I think there's Thing from the Adams Family, and that's about it. So I know this maybe is a bit of a weird question. Um, I know that for a lot of people who have lost limbs that they've had before they have like phantom limb syndrome and obviously i'm not saying that somebody who's decapitated can have a phantom limb syndrome for their head necessarily but uh do you think like a doulahan or uh, one of these other creatures who have lost their skull uh feel anything like that i know it's a little bit outside the scope of what we're discussing today but i find it interesting. maybe um so for Doolahan, um, describe a little bit more of Doolahan. Oh, so Doolahan, like the headless horseman, right? So uh, typically they have been decapitated. I believe they're Celtic, uh, so maybe Irish, Scottish. I'm not sure where specifically they hail from. Um, Irish, Irish folklore gotcha. is what it looks like it comes up. But... Um, my ancestors will be sad at me. <laughs> but uh, but they are part of the Celtic culture as well. For they're all from a Celtic okay. Um I guess you got a 50-50 shot. Heck yeah, nailed it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so basically they're they're these uh, creatures of of the of the night, and they roam around Sand's head, uh, and you can see them. I think most most people who grew up in the '90s and early aughts uh, would know them from the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, specifically, where we had uh, you know Ichabod Crane and all of that whole situation that he faced. Yeah, I think that. The nature of Dullahan makes it so that way he, the head is purposely severed from the, from the skull now, uh, from the rest of the body, and so, it's not the only mythology that allows the the, the, the to keep going. So I think for Dullahan's purposes, yeah, um, someone will basically say, "Oh man, we got to stop Dullahan. Why don't you cut off his head?" Yeah, I'll do that. That worked the first time. <laughs> he put a pumpkin up there. I don't know. It's like, what's that supposed to accomplish exactly? The pumpkin or cutting off the head? Cutting off the head of a dual hand is like, well, you see, the head is also in their hands. Unless it's like the boss fight with the headless horseman in Warcraft. Because mm. you kill the body, but really you have to kill the head. Mm, true. Otherwise it, the boss doesn't die. That's a good point. It is kind of a talking skull in that regard, right? Where it does yeah. jump off and fly around and like yell at you. Yeah, he yells at his body. He's like, get over here, you idiot. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> Kind of like a two-headed giant sort of scenario, but yeah, yeah, one head and one body. Uh, it was some old cartoon. I'm trying to remember what it was, but I thought it was hilarious. That's One of the things that happened was his head is severed, and he just keeps yell- no, yelling at it. I think it's the genie from Aladdin. 
Mm. He goes, come over here. You're getting closer. Get Ah, come on. Yeah. And at some point he stops and just realizes that, oh, wait, my, I'm, the head's the part with the ears. Why am I yelling at this? Mm -hmm. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, in a lot of cases when it's something like that and the head's severed, but it's still going, the head is a critical, um, basically a critical point. A lot of times when it's a creature like that or a monster like that, we're talking about probably like certain variations of zombies have that where the skull is um, the raid is still intact. It's still coming at you. It doesn't do anything because it's a head that's just lying there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it certainly tries its best. But it tries its best. True. But yeah, so like in those mm-hmm. cases, I think mm-hmm. the head might just be a critical point. Or but the, Dullahan and monsters like that still need the head because they still need the brain to keep the, the monster of the body going. They're not together, but they still need it. So I think if you smash Dullahan's head, he's, you still have a shot at getting away from this guy. So with that, um, there's other cultures that are significant that put skulls at a type of significance for themselves, which is one of the most interesting things for that. Um, probably pirating oh, and their, yes. their symbols, the Jolly Roger. It has a skull and crossbows. Mm-hmm. Um, it still has a skull on there. Um, I so what this symbol? Yeah, actually, uh, hold that up for you. So, but initially, the symbology of a Jolly Roger is not only the uh, pirate's pride, but it's also just kind of just like a warning sign to anyone else around going by. So initially, it's just like you know, just kind of think of it just like a like a country flag, except you know, your country is just a little ship, and you're going around having adventures. Yeah, to that note, like the other thing that people recognize the skull as an image for is poison. Mm. Poison mm-hmm. bottles. Unless it turns them into a llama instead. A llama? He was supposed to be dead. Cusco's poison. poison. Poison made for Cusco. Yeah, the Cusco's poison. Poison made Cusco. Poison made specifically for Cusco. Cusco's poison. <laughs> oh, I love that movie so much. But yeah, so so skulls, their big thing, um, culturally speaking, is always is has been symbolic. Um, they usually relate themselves to symbols of death, symbols of power, um, symbols uh, and associated with the soul. Um, probably at the at least in the Americas, one of the biggest symbols for those is the Day of the Dead festival that we have. Yes, <laughs> uh, Ben, I want you to take a shot at this and explain the Day of the Dead and some of its. Um, you want to again. So, yeah, so the whole thing with the Day of the Dead, uh, of course, is just to honor the ones, you know, that pass before you and, you know, remember all of them. Um, pretty sure that we've all seen Coco, right? The give up. <laughs> uh, absolutely. No, actually, no, I haven't. Um, I can't because I don't want yeah. to cry about my grandma. <laughs> well, we can talk about it, but. But yeah, but no, anyways, absolutely, absolutely. Just skulls. Skulls everywhere, and God, does Mexico love their skulls? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, even now when you go to Mexico, there are multiple museums that are dedicated to just skulls. And we're talking, like, not just ones that are just um, hugely decor, but, like, you know, little, like, human skulls, like, throughout time, different ones, just, like, you know, this is what a, cons- uh, like, the skull of a Mesoamerica, uh, skull of a conquistador, and all that, so on and so forth. And a sugar skull. No sugar skulls. Actually, um, 
during data, the sugar skulls uh, usually represent, you know, the the people that you're honoring themselves. So, <laughs> so people just get in and be like, you know what? I feel like they would have loved putting that there. And it's also, I believe, why a lot of them also uh, put the makeup on. And I think that's kind of how it transfers. So it's just like, you know, instead of having the makeup on, now you have this little skull that represents the person. So it's like they're with you. And you all just look like sugar skulls now. It's like, that's so wonderful and sweet. <laughs> Get a little drawing of that. Oh, yeah. But uh, actually, um, ended that one of the most famous figures of it is uh, one called La Catrina. And she's depicted as they're just, uh, well, a skeleton, but she is in this just late, how was it, like late 1800s, early 1900s, just like elegant, just like dresses and all that. And what was, uh, actually, what I think is kind of funny about it is that La Catrina was made by this uh, Mexican artist named, uh, oh God, what was his name? I know his last name is Posada. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. There we are. So his name was um, Jose Guadalupe Posada, and he was just uh, he was just a political cartoon artist who was just well famous for just making little little cartoons, but of things depicted as skeletons. So at some point, the one percent, being the one percent, and all rich and high mighty, are just like you know we're above you or all that. And he's like, yeah, but you know what? At the end of all this. We're all nothing but skeletons and clothings at the end. So he literally took one of the most famous, like, women, and essentially as a huge middle finger of just, like, you're really no better to the rest of us, just made a whole thing of just her her, her famous dresses in a skeleton, and it's like, boom, bitch, you're just like the rest of us now. And actually what was dope is that one of my uncles is actually from, um... So yes. I wanted to, to interrupt real quick. So... What I'm going to show them is the picture of what La Catrina looks like. So, to our listeners at home, La Catrina looks like basically a tall, um, elegant dress, like the uh, dressed um, figure. So, it would have a giant hat with feathers and plumage mm-hmm. on there. And also, one of those, like, I want to say 1930s, 1940s, uh, 1920s, 1930s style, like, long dresses. With the, um, actually older than that. So the uh, that these kind of dresses actually would have been more into oh, the okay. late eighteen hundreds, like the Victorian style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was literally just like the going from the Victorian to just the modern era what we have now. And actually, a perfect example is Lady Death from Book of Life. It's like she's literally like Katrina. The whole get up. That's what she looks like. And. Actually, back to Coco, literally anyone who's in just a long dress and a big hat, that is literally the La Catrina outfit. The artist, um, Jose Guadalupe Posada, was from Aguas Calientes, and what was really dope was what well, one of my uncles living there, and like when, you know, Bobby and the family said they were going to go down, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go down, but I'm kind of curious to see what this looks like. So I literally just Googled it, and I kid you not, there were just these gigantic skeleton statues just hanging out and like huh you know that's kind of appropriate for literally the guy who made this whole thing just happen again as a middle finger to rich people that's just like yeah you know better than the rest of us at the end and she wears some sassy dresses oh yeah apparently yeah apparently she was a not a nice person 
And Elsa was a troll. Aww. The troll comics of the early 1900s. Skulls are a big thing for that because it goes with Day of the Dead and then All Saints Day afterwards. Mm-hmm. I've heard it related to being basically Mexico's uh, Halloween, which there's similarities, but there's a lot of differences for it. Uh, yeah. Ironically, but... though, they're about the same time frame. <laughs> they're actually like just right next to each mm-hmm. other. I think like the uh, De Los Metos starts at like November 1st and then just goes on for a couple days. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like 1st through 3rd of November is Day of the Dead. But there, there's so many. Mm-hmm. Like thinning of the veil holidays that happening happen around that time, right? It's like this is a time of year where we know things are just sort of getting spoopy and dying. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wonder if that's a that's done on purpose because like October and November is roughly the last few days of harvest in the north in North America. Yeah, but. That would probably be the same for anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere, right? Right. Yeah, because I know um, when you get into more, like, British, Irish, Irish, and, like, uh, European folklore, they all have their own sort of either micro-holidays that were either appropriated or, like, sucked into Christian holidays or what have you. Um, And a lot of it had to do with, you know, things are dying down. It's the end of harvest season. The seasons are definitely changing into something else. For some people, it's considered like the start of the calendar year is in um, that late fall, early winter time period. Um, So the start of your year is like when winter starts? Kind of, yeah. Because like I grew up in New Mexico and in Santa Fe, uh, it's usually like September, but that's still harvest season. There's the burning of Zozobra, who's old man gloom, and that's mm-hmm. considered the start of like a fresh start to your year, like kind of a a New Year's sort of situation. Um, but it's it's not really tied to like talking to the dead or anything like that. Even though old man gloom kind of looks like a skeleton, <laughs> like <laughs> he's kind of skeleton adjacent. But they make this giant like forty foot plus tall puppet and set him on fire. It's amazing. That's yeah, like awesome. uh, every year you can either virtually or if you're there in person, send in your gloom, like all the things you want to let go of. And they oh, stuff him. They stuff yeah, it. They that, stuff they, him right? with gloom and they light him on fire. <laughs> it's like, so what multiple cultures realize is that, you know what? Big ass skeletons are pretty cool at this time of year. Oh, yeah. That and Zazobra is like a fairly recent thing, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a. a f- an art project someone started like in the fifties, I want to say it's just a weird art happening. And every year the puppet got bigger and then it became a charity thing. And every year it's, it's a thing. And then we set it on fire. Yeah. And then we set it on fire. It's great. Everyone loves setting things on fire. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not endorsing pyromania. We are saying it exists. World yeah. of difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not in, we're not telling you to go set things on fire. Just like, if you got some gloom, you know, just send it to Zazobra. And... Yeah. Don't worry. I'll take care of that gloom right quick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, a lot of fun. You, you don't need to add kerosene to the gloom. It'll do it on its own. <laughs> so what's funny is that, um, Skulls that we see are symbolic for these things, but they also are used not only culturally, but we also introduce them to to ourselves from basically in different 
physical locations. Like, if you have how many, like, spy movies or car or or mystery movies or monster movies has a skull island somewhere in there. Yeah, spy. Did you say spy movies too? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I always think of like the evil villain have, it's not a talking skull, I guess I wouldn't say, but like, uh, they always have like a hideout in a skull, a giant skull somewhere. It's like, why does God look like a skull? Cause it looks cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like they're paying the contractor like, extra. He's like, listen, man, listen. All right, we did not check out multiple cultures to think, what is the most badass? Just like, I'm going to kill you, but I want you to look at something cool. It's just like, giant skeletons want to make a skull thing. I So, like, uh, we're moving on from, like, talking skulls in general to, and we'll go back to some talking skulls later, mm-hmm. um, but into, like, locations that happen to look like skulls and, and bones mm-hmm. and such. Mm-hmm. So, one of them is, like, yeah, there's a skull island. Um, Kong is on Skull Island. It's in the, that's not oh, even yeah. a spoiler, it's in the name of the movie. <laughs> Kong, Skull Island. <laughs> you better believe it's shaped like a skull. Um, Venture Brothers. They uh, apparently like the offshoot of the Venture Brothers compound is a is a Skull Island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, actually, I just remembered in One Piece. There's literally a Sky Island where half the island got shot in the air, stayed in the sky. People were just like, find the city in the eye of the island. And they took two different halves of when the island was whole. Just like, yep, it's literally a giant skull. I, I think you just have to standard issue have a skull island at some point, right? It's just, I, w- I wonder if these skull islands were just like, like different variants. Just, I was like, this happens to this skull island. And this happens to this skull island. This happened to this skull. This skull island has a little bit of hair on it. All right, there's the anime skull island. There's a skull island with a big ass monkey. This is a skull island that got torn in half, so it got a little weird over there. It's one of my favorite jokes in uh, The Simpsons, and it's like, "Where are we going? Ape Island? What do you have there? Apes? Man, I wish we were going to Candy Apple Island. Candy Apple Island? What do they have there? Apes? But they're not as big. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to Skull Island and they have no skulls, that's kind of a letdown, right? At least one." <laughs> I think at least one. It's like, listen, something here has to be skull shaped. It's in the name. If it's, if it's there's nothing here skull shaped, that just false advertisement. I wonder if like you put a, what if it's what if you're not a super villain of some sort, right? You just uh, happen to live on this island with a skull. Wouldn't you just get people hunting treasure to stop by every couple of minutes or so? Like, doesn't it scream pirate treasure here? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And now you see, and that's what goes back to my whole thing. I'm just like, what if it's just the same island, but just like different storylines just cross it? It's like, what if, what if there's just treasure all over the island, but everyone just has maps to just one specific treasure? It's like, man, you just, like, dude, you just walked over like a whole trail's worth. But no, no, let's go to this one that's way back here next to the tree. Okay, find the eggs, eh, whatever. <laughs> it's a whole adver- It's a whole like vacation campaign. Try to find the skull. Treasure. Like Skull Island, find the treasure. Be my friend. <laughs> they're just trying so hard to get someone to come visit. <laughs> and then watches like all the friends leave, and you're just like, "No, what? Fuck it, I'm gonna be a villain now." The true treasure was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, see, it goes full circle. So the island started first, then the villain. That's a whole chicken <laughs> and the egg scenario right there. What started first, the friendship island or the super like villain hideout? <laughs> 
And that's how you get your own Skull Island. There's other things that have like physical skulls in there. Um, a really interesting relationship is in Christianity. In Christianity, when uh, Jesus gets uh, crucified, the place that they that they uh, crucify him is called the Golgotha. Now, Golgotha is also known as the Skull Mound. Now, it's titled that because well, a lot of people. Jesus isn't the only person they crucified there. He's just the, the the big celebrity. There's other acts in Vegas. Elvis is just the coolest one we got here right now. <laughs> There's a set of caves in there on the side of the Golgotha that looks like a skull when uh from that looks like a skull when you're far away, um, and so it's also known as the Skull Mountain. That's uh, where they were uh, taking people down. That's not where they bury them. That's just where they just I guess for convenience sake we're we're put crucifying everyone on the same spot. Like a timeshare? I mean, look, you, you don't want to spend all of your day running around looking where to bury somebody, right? Like, let's just put them all in one big pile, and we'll just figure it out when we need to. It's like, like listen, man, consistency is key. Well, yeah. We'll kill them here, we'll take them out later. Humans are nothing if not lazy and efficient. <laughs> and, and consistent sometimes. Very consistent. <laughs> Unfortunately. It's like, let's just keep it right here. And then it kept going. And then it kept going. Well, this is the way we've always done it. Why would we change it? Why would we change it? Um, that actually brings up a weird mystery that happened in uh, digs in the Aztec region in Mexico. Because they find the dead bodies of where a bunch of people get sacrificed. Because a lot of those large temples where human sacrifices are done. Fun story. They don't just sacrifice humans there, but pe human sacrifices are their highest ranking of a sacrifice. So, like, you get 10 points to your sacrifice card if you do a person, but you only get two if you do corn. It's like, we have different tiers of sacrifices, and this is, uh, you ordered this tier of it. And if you do the top tier of sacrifice, you get more corn later. It's kind of a win-win. It's like, as, essentially, it's like, it's essentially Mesoamerican Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Tell me I'm wrong at this point. It's just like, you see, with corn, you get tier one, and that gives you a kind of okay harvest and no plagues. It's like, but if you sacrifice your sister, you may be a god in your next life. Yeah, yeah. So the Aztecs didn't sacrifice their own family. That's why Aztecs are known for, like, going to war, because they'll sacrifice the other guy. Well, yeah, you don't want to sacrifice the people you actually kind of like, sort of. Like, yeah. screw those other people, though. No, 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 listen, listen. They would, like, they would sacrifice whoever, just like, listen, we want to show how much we do it. Like, they would look at the prettiest girl in the village and just like, dang, it's like, yeah, you know no one can have her anymore, right? It's like, I know, right? <laughs> it's like, well, up until the altar you go. It's like, but why? It's like, first off, you're too pretty, and the gods like you too much, because, fuck you, the go they're the gods, okay? They're the gods. Actually, oh my god, I think one of the funniest discoveries I think that ever happened with, um, when they were digging up Aztecs was when they first just like were digging up the bodies and open the look at the hands and just found tiny skulls inside of them, they're like, you know, what are these things? And just for years upon years, just had no idea what these were. It was like, all right, just cool little decor things. Probably like, you know, I don't know what they are. It's like probably some decor, but it wasn't until one day someone decided to take it. It's like it looks kind of like a little pipe. So it's just like it decides to blow into it, and that's how they they discovered the death whistle. <laughs> Oh, yeah, those things sound crazy mm. cool, too. <laughs> but the weird part about it is they have skull mounds. 
So they have a mound of where they kept all the skulls on there. The rest of the body's tossed to the left side, but not the skull. We'll keep it on this side. Uh, yeah, just like, I don't care about the body. That's, that's <laughs> you know, animal food. Well, see, that's the weird part. Human hearts is the big thing, is a big scorekeeper on this one. So the chest side would be better, but nope. Keep the skulls over here. Well, I think the reason the human hearts was so big thing is because, like, they saw blood as life force, and it's like, okay, so what's the biggest thing to the life force? The heart. And so, uh, what was that one movie Mel Gibson did? There's so many. Apocalyptico? Yes, uh, Apocalypto. Where they, just, where they just, like, straight just ripped the heart out, burned it, decapitated, kicked it out, just like, oh, okay, third body inside. And then just like, and who wants to play Catch a Skull? <laughs> but it's just... It's amazing how just like they were just so into just the whole sacrifice and other things. They're like even going into just checking out the top of those pyramids. They're still kind of stained red because of all the blood that was there. I was like, man, that happened thousands of years ago. Yeah. And that was a lot of people too. That's a lot of blood. Like again, consistency. If you're wanting something that I just personally think is cool, it's in the Czech Republic. It's a place called the uh, Sedelic Ossiary. Uh, it's also known as the church, roughly translated to the Church of Bones. And it's a chapel and where all the ornate stuff that's inside the, the chapel, the uh, chandeliers, the, I think you call them in carvings or incarnations, that when you carve something out of the, the stone, but instead of the stonework, they replaced it with, with, uh, with bones and such. And they have different artworks of art that's inside there, the same similar to what you'd have as a church, but they're all made with skulls and bones. Also, it sounds like a horrible horror film in there. Great spot for a and d campaign. You know someone wants to. Uh, this also just looks like a great spot to have a nice little gothic party. It's like, all right, everyone, I want you to bring your blackest of attire. Pretty metal. You know someone's gotten married in there within the past ten years, too, man. Like... How could you not? <laughs> it is super metal for the cell deck. Oh, absolutely. It's like, man, I'm, I'm looking at some of the pictures. It's like, man, this just looks so nice and pretty. 40 to 70,000 skeletons? That's a lot of skeletons. Right. What? What do they do with so many skeletons? You're like, that might be too many skeletons for my likey. It's a lot of skeletons. They build a church. If there's a necromancer around, we're screwed, y'all. You're like, oh man, the only thing we have in our party is this necromancer. I know what place that we can, that this could be totes. <laughs> Oops, all skeletons. Yeah, guys, let's go hide over here. It's like, why? Just like, you ever seen a, a tsunami of skeletons? You're about to. Let's make a giant mecca of skeletons with this. That That's how that works. <laughs> oh god. Oh, too many skeletons. That's too many skeletons. My goodness. Yeah, if you haven't read the Atlas Obscura page on this, please do. It's amazing. It's pretty incredible. It's too many skeletons. <laughs> it's too many skeletons. I wonder. Here's the thing. Like, a church has a... Especially old churches, like, um, that are in Europe. They would have a graveyard nearby, right? Oh, Do you think that they would have... That, that you're like, okay, I'm going to have to bury a lot of my family members here. And they're like, just to let you know, there'll be furniture by the end of this week. <laughs> Well, that's also, like, just things like the plague. So, like, there's the skull catacombs, and I think it's Paris? There were just too many bones. Yeah, Paris has a skull catacombs. Yeah, there's, too many there, was, there was no place to put them. There's too many bones, and now it's Minecraft, and you have building material. 
It's too many bones. <laughs> He's just like, okay, I guess we'll do this. During Hurricane Katrina, um, there was a lot of uh, uh, problems with skeletons and such in graveyards because, um, because uh, New Orleans is underwater. Under it's below sea level, and so once the the, sea, uh, the hurricane raised the sea level, just random crypts would just pop up and float in the water. Oh, okay. So for the ossuary, I guess uh, the reason why they had an influx of bones to work with is because an abbot, uh, abbot of the Celtic monastery known as Abbot Henry, brought a handful of earth back from a journey to the grave of the Lord in Jerusalem. He then scattered his holy soil around the cemetery and made it like the hottest place to go get buried. (laughs) I feel like it's still too many bones. It's still too many bones. Like, uh, it says everyone wanted to be buried in the handful of the Holy Land, and more than 30,000 people were. But it wasn't long before there simply wasn't enough room for everyone, and the bodies had were moved to a crypt to make room for the new dead. Oh my god. <laughs> so they hired a woodcarver to artistically do something with the bones. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh my god. Oh, this is incredible. Hey, I need to. I'm gonna bury myself at the in, in, at the Holy Land. You mean Jerusalem? Man, that is so far away. Um, how about this place? Someone left dirt here. Close enough? Yeah, close enough. Yeah, it's just and like years it's... later. Oh, uh, this place is too hot. Too many people. Want yeah, to be here. the cemetery got like the hottest Yelp review, and everyone wanted uh, in. As you can see right here in this plot, it is the most divine place. People are just dying to get here. Hey. hey. We know we had to make that joke yeah, at least that, once. Yeah, that poem was coming. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. The only other famous real skulls that I can think of off the top of my head, though, is um, the skulls of saints, like St. Saint Peter, St. Michael, and various other saints. Um, basically, during the Dark Ages, uh, you have medieval knights running around, and they are not exactly as noble as they're depicted in lots of media and such. Okay. You don't say. Shocking. Shocking. So I think one of the knights actually wrote books and novels while in jail for doing the crimes that he said that the, the, doing the crimes that he's writing about in these novels that he's stopping this time. The problem with the medieval knights in this case is more of along the lines of uh, feudalism. Because the way feudalism works out is you're a peasant, you're a farmer, your job is to make as much food for for the farms to give to the to the lord and the knights of the of the realm, right? Now, the knights of the realm, their job is to keep bandits and other people from killing the and fighting and stealing from the peasantry that's here. Alright? But they don't fight all the time, so they're just a bunch of basically pent-up rage-filled knights ready to to throw down with other people. At some point, some of these uh, guys do go nuts, and they start actually, you know, slaughtering people. And unfortunately, it's the medieval ages. That's a thing that happens, along with the plague and, you know, disasters upon disasters. The Dark Ages was not a fun time. Um, but, so what a lot of these churches did, because they had the bones of saints there, because even though these knights will destroy an area, they still have to, they still hold, um, I guess, piety to the church. They still have some reverence to the church. So people were like, hey, stop kill, stop destroying this land. Look at these bones, these bones of these saints. What would St. Michael think about you, sir? Look at them. Like, 
guilt trip them into stopping them from from uh, from raising a land. It works sometimes. <laughs> sometimes is the key phrase there. It's like it's like what happened the other times? Well, the other times they remembered. Yeah, that's just a skull. <laughs> yeah, some not all of them will. They're like you'll get those knights who are essentially, um, just meh. What ifs? And that's the one that the, these uh, the, these uh, abbots and and holy men basically have to worry about. The ones that don't care what the Pope says. It's like, you know what? I wasn't a fan of you anyways. You were my third favorite Pope. So, now that we've gone through some of these fictional locations and different... To- uh, or, not fictional. These are Most of these are actual places that you can go visit. We have, in fiction, in some places in real life, we have different... Um, Skulls that are just there. Some of them are talking skulls. Like um, a fav- a big one in Greek culture is the and Greek mythology is Orpheus's skull because Orpheus is the son of the muse Calliope. Uh, in most cases, it's Calliope or possibly of uh, Oregus or possibly the king of Thrace. Um, and what happens to Orpheus is that Orpheus. Uh, Basically, what happens to Orpheus is that Orpheus decides that he is going wants to get married to Eurydice, uh, Eurydice's wife. And unlike the most faiths and problems within the uh, Greek mythology, uh, his wife dies by being bitten by a snake. Not really anyone's fault; just an accident. Random snake at the wedding. Who do? Okay. Um. So she gets. Uh, so she she dies and goes to uh, to the land of the dead. Good old. And get old Hades. Orpheus is grief stricken and wants to uh, get, uh, to be with his wife. So what Orpheus does is find a way into the underworld. Anybody knows anything about traditional Hades? Hades doesn't like it when people try to bring people back from the dead. It's not a thing Hades enjoys. And what Hades does, and so what he does is that Orpheus comes down there and Orpheus is like, well. Uh, I don't have much to give, but I kind of want to get my wife out of this this place. Do you think I could just play you a sweet jam about this? And Hades is like, all right, whatever. Here's the sweet song that uh, that Orpheus plays, and it is amazing. We're talking five st- uh, stars. Would d- d- ten out of ten would listen to this guy again. Uh, he's like, okay, I will let you take uh, your receipts back, but whatever you do, do not look back. Just go to the exit. And leave. So he, uh, Orpheus gets uh, Eurydice, and Orpheus and Eurydice starts making their way out the exit. And before they get to the exit, Orpheus is like, "No, Hades is tricking me. Hades want, it, it is probably playing some weird trick on this." Here's the thing: Zeus will trick you. Uh, Mercury, oh not Mercury, but Hermes, he's the go- uh, trickster god. May I trick you? Hades is all business all the time, though. <laughs> so what Hades does? So he decides to look back, sees Eurydice, and Eurydice gets pulled back and stuck in the and uh, stuck in the land of the dead. With basically Hades just looking upon him, going, "I warned you, didn't I warn you? Now you gotta be punished for this." And cuts him. Orpheus loses his head, so his head is just a skull that's talking, singing skull because it won't die because he's got some deity blood in him. So what they do is that uh, Orpheus uh, gets uh, gets sent to the uh, 
to is it so Orpheus is doomed to basically be like that emo kid in the quarter and sing the saddest and saddest songs ever. But he gets presented to the Maenads, who are devotees of Dionysus in another island. But the Maenads basically have no chill. And, the, oh, I got my uh, my mythology wrong. It's not Hades who uh, who cuts off his head. It's the Maenads that cut off his head. But made, uh, So the Maenads, basically because they have no chill, cut off Orpheus's head and... Not realizing that or that's not going to stop Orpheus. Orpheus is going to keep on trucking. And he's just going to keep on going with this. So Orpheus will keep singing prophecies and songs, and all he is is a head and a talking skull. And that's probably one of the most famous talking skulls on it. Although, personally, my favorite of the talking skulls is probably Murray, the talking skull from uh, Monkey Island. And so what Murray, the talking skull, does is that he plots to get revenge and also to take over the uh, the world, but he is not very good at it, and he is only just a, a skull. It's like kind of kind of hard to be efficient when you're just a skull, though. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, move around. Oh, you can't. You're just a talking skull here. That's, that's mean, just... You have to appreciate the hustle. Yeah, he got the hustle. He's in, like, most <laughs> of the Monkey Island games, so he's got some hustle on that. That's like, I can't blame a guy for trying. Just like, listen, man, you're trying, but at some point, you're going to need to throw in a towel. So what other kind of famous skulls or fiction or non-fiction famous skulls that you guys know of? I mean, I feel like there are tons of skulls and skeletons, but a lot of them don't really have a lot of deep backstory to them, necessarily. Yeah. Not really. That's sort of the weird thing. Um, You have a crystal skull, but even in the movie, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, it's, there are skulls yeah, we, made of we crystal. Yeah, we don't talk about that. <laughs> we, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> we don't talk about that. Like, that's just, we don't talk about Crystal Skull. Um, but what about the, uh, there's other ones that have kind of, cinematically, there's two big famous skulls I know of. There's the Predator, which, like, that's just because the Predators keep a lot of skulls. That's their trophies. And the other one, which is um, Terminator, the Terminator skull, mm, mm-hmm. with his yes. beady red eyes and such. Look, Arnold Schwarzenegger coming down the street to try to kill me. I'm okay with that. That's a whole lot of muscle. I know where I'm going. What's going to happen? But a robotic skull that's coming, skeleton that's coming at me. All right, I'm kind of out. I'm done. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what you signed up for. <laughs> not what I signed up for. Yeah. It's- it's like the only, even like sculptor skeletons I can even think on top of my head right now is just Brooke from One Piece, who just like going down making music, but at the same time just makes some type of skull pun at least once per episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I can think of, and it's just because I have Warcraft on the brain, brain because I've been playing it a lot lately, is mm. there is a talking skull when they remade Sholomance. So sometimes oh. they take old dungeons and they remake them. Mm-hmm. Um, which is super fun, and it's always cool to see like how mechanics change and stuff like that. But there's a talking skull who like guides you through new Sholomance, who is actually a lore character. Like he's Lord Alexei Barov, who was a Death Knight, and he didn't want to be a Death Knight. Well, he didn't really want to be a talking skull either. But he leads you through on his path of revenge through the dungeon, so that at the end, like you set his soul free and like the souls of his family and it's a good feel right yeah. but mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a more recent one i can think of um obviously like 
Sans and Papyrus from Undertale. Oh, yes. Sans and Papyrus. Is it Sans or Papyrus I'm thinking of who's the stocky one who looks hilarious? Tallboy is Papyrus. Tallboy is Papyrus. Yeah. Right. Because they're both, their names are based off uh, Eh. font types. So they're, they make a lot of font puns and uh, Comic Sans and Papyrus are like the two universally low mm-hmm. fonts in graphic design. Like you're never supposed to use them. I'll just use them. So. Don't worry. I'll, put, I'll make this uh, resume. This will work out great. Comic Sans it is. <laughs> that Comic looks professional, Sans. right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. But, like, in general, most skulls, like, don't get a chance to really talk. Like, they can be very powerful mm-hmm. artifacts in and of themselves. But, like, very few like, of them are ever, like, any actual characters or people. Right. Like, even in even in Zelda, like, you find tons of skeletons and skulls. Or bubbles, because they're called bubbles in Zelda. For bubbles! Reasons. No, so um, that's a skull. But it can't... <laughs> <laughs> it's a skull in a bubble, so it's a bubble! Obviously. Um, but yeah, I can't think of any, like, even all through Zelda that speak or talk. Like, very rarely. Like, I'm sure there's some NPCs. I'm sure there's one or two. There's, like, there's, there's probably, there's, there's probably more skulls one. that just randomly laugh than anything. Oh, 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 the, um, the dude from Twilight Princess. Wait, what dude in Twilight Princess? So, in Twilight Princess, there is, like, the mentor skeleton like the body of the old champion. Oh, what is it oh called? I, I, I remember what you're talking about in Legends of Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that he's actually Link, a previous incarnation of Link, the hero spirit. Yeah, he's a previous incarnation of Link from Ocarina Majora, who you find as a golden wolf in the field. And Ooh. then when you transport to his spirit realm, he is a skeleton who just tries to beat the crap out of you to teach you. His ways. I'm gonna teach you ways. Please, why, why with the fighting? You don't need this. I'm gonna teach you with the sharp side of my sword, son. Why don't you just give me a pencil and a piece of paper? I can work with that. Nope, none of that. Um, Doom, the game Doom, we almost always has. Uh, there's a. It's called a revenant, and it's a skeleton with two missile launchers that yells at you. And then fires missiles at you. But there's also a set of skulls that float around. They're called Lost Souls. And they are a set of skulls that are floating around that are on fire. And their main plan of attack is to run into you. It's not a fun one because you're basically having a flaming skull being forced down your throat. No one likes that. I mean, they don't have many other methods of attack here, though. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what choice do they get? Come over here and I'm gonna bite you. They'll bite you. They will do their best. And it's like, what else are you gonna do? Headbutt you. <laughs> Repeatedly. Into submission. It's like, anything, anything else. I'll bite you again! This isn't working out for me. I'm out. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh. Okay, so, I think one... And it's just, it's literally just like this minor, just little pettish character from um, Mayan mm. the Three, it's this Mesoamerican show on Netflix. Yep. But it's, 
it was this uh the son this guy, okay this guy named zat and he literally just rides this skeleton of a puma that's on fire okay very metal and it's like oh yeah no i'm sorry this guy this guy when he just comes up you get a cut on the sheer edginess he comes up on <laughs> All right. He no. He's no. No. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Okay. Is he an entire hot topic? That's how edgy he is. An entire hot. I need to know. Yeah, an entire hot topic from the early two thousands. Honestly, he could say he's the son of Batman, because no, no, he's the prince of bats because his dad is the god of bats. Oh, my jeez. And he's like this, this like half. Half human, like, it's essentially a demigod, a human hybrid, and it's like I am Zats, the Prince of Bats. Thanks, I love it. <laughs> There's definitely fan fiction. There's definitely fan oh, fiction. You know what? You know what? He's voiced <laughs> by Diego Luna, and it's like, God, he just ha- he has a beautiful mm-hmm. voice. But also, just he just also just represents how big a simp some guys can be. I'm just like, so what, the, what does uh, Warrior Princess you're fighting? She was courageous and beautiful. I was like, bro, bro, she was swinging a glass sword at you. And the only thing you could think of just like, you're so pretty when you're trying to murder me. You're so pretty when you're trying I mean, to kill yeah. me. In this house, we fully stand sword women. Oh, we, we, oh, we definitely do over here, too. <laughs> Samesies. It's like actually in this and actually also this ends, we stand the swordswoman, especially when they have their machismo simp right na- by their side. Yup. <laughs> it's yep. like I, I am here to sharpen the blade for my love. You know like, that's all I want in life. You know, just just give me that. <laughs> you you want a man who just loves you so much, it's like, babe, don't worry, I'll sharpen your sword for you. It's like, and a sword, yes. Let's go. Let's just go with the sword. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah most of the time like skulls don't get their their due as a talking skull or a living entity no they're they're just there as a representation of some- and they're never really wise are they like sometimes they impart wisdom but i typically feel like you're not dealing with the wizened wizard that's telling you secrets you know what? Why is that? It's just like, what is it with just like the character of the skull? Just like, okay, and it's like, and the hat can be funny. It's like, why? It's like, can we have a serious skull character? It's like, well, a serious one would be scary. A funny one—that's the one you can trust. It's like you, you either have scary ones trying to kill you or funny ones that are just, you know what? I like you. What's interesting is that usually when you deal with a talking skull, though, they're usually some sort of guide most of the time um murray is used to explain certain um certain uh side quests not side quests certain puzzles that you have to uh, that you have to deal with and you have to guide him to it other ones such as gary from uh, or sorry jerry from uh uh from graveyard keeper um he guides you through the tutorial so a lot of talking skulls will act as certain guides to yourself which is kind of a weird one um but most of the time, skulls, I believe, are just... Typically, they're just some sort of symbolic or symbolism for themselves. Or maybe they always, like... A lot of them have quests, like, where you help them pass on. Like the talking skull in Sholomance, that you are helping him with his unresolved trauma. And need for revenge, so... So, uh, so what can I help you out with? Well, you see, I was middle of my quest, and then I got cursed... 
And as you can see, I'm very incapable of completing said quest. Help a guy out. Could you could you help a brother out on this one? Yeah, I think that's the thing. If if a skull can talk, it doesn't have a lot of power. If a skull is without speech, it can be a very powerful magical artifact. Mm-hmm. I guess that's a good spot to to think about wrapping this up. If you bump into a skull, see how much dialogue you can get from said skull. Not a lot. Probably then- okay. Uh, probably dangerous. A lot of ta- dialogue. <laughs> uh, then not that not that dangerous for you as well. It's fu- it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But also, if it doesn't talk to you, maybe it just pointing you to the right direction, or maybe it gives you peaceful advice, or maybe it's an instrument to scare the crap out of your friends, or maybe it rolled away from the church. <laughs> <laughs> it rolled away. It's like, hey, like one of the chandelier skulls got loose. So much like real estate, your danger of skulls is based on location, location, location. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what's the location saying? Uh, right now, what's saying is that the skull shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> so we we either found something really cool, but if it starts talking, it's kind of a roulette wheel after that. If you're like um, York from Hamlet, you know, you just lie in there, you pick it up. Or if it's a skull that just sort of rolls out of the um, ossuary, probably not that dangerous. Especially if you're at the Celadec ossuary. They got like a million of these ones, really. <laughs> <laughs> but okay if you are in say some di- giant dungeon deep into the dank depths of other d-words um dank depths of darkness <laughs> dungeon of dungeon delving dank dark dungeons of dark druidly daisies i don't know <laughs> by dog <laughs> And if you find one skull, you haven't seen a single living thing around here, and just that one skull on an on an altar, you leave that alone. Like I don't feel yeah. safe. Altar skulls are always bad news. I feel. Mm-hmm. I th- I feel that that's a safe bet. It's like rolling skulls. What could that mean? Well, give it a sec, take a step back, and wait. It could mean a lot of things. Something is trying to tell you something. Someone threw that skull, and you should run away from what threw that skull. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna close this out. Yeah. Um, you guys have any final thoughts on talking skulls or other famous skulls outside of our warnings about skulls in general, <laughs> or potential great ideas and friends? <laughs> I, I think the takeaway is beware of bones. Yeah, I guess beware of bones for most of that. Yeah. It's like, if there are bones where there shouldn't be bones, and you're not near a place that's very representative of bones, bones. assess the situation accordingly. Assess your situation. Remember, location, location. Does this location need to have this many <laughs> bones? It's like, like okay, I don't know, going down Aguas Calientes, and you're like, huh, Museum of Death. Okay, that's you're a, fine. That sounds you about right. see a bone or two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, yeah. it's disappointing. It's like, Huh. Otherwise disappointing. Yeah, at that point, not mm-hmm. enough bones mm-hmm. is disappointing for that. Yeah. But but then it's like you go to Disneyland and then one of the skeletons is on the on the ride with you and you're like <laughs> Uh-huh. How did you get there? This this isn't even a ride. This is the line to get a churro. 
that that's where you should not have a skull. Though, <laughs> very few things would deter me from a good churro. Yeah, good enough churro. I'll, I'm in. Yeah. Go at a left past the cursed skull, get your churro, let's go. <laughs> it's like, so that all I'm seeing right now is that even after death, you still love churros. Uh, yeah. yeah. Everyone loves churros. It's universal. He's like, I love this churro. Unfortunately, I don't got a stomach to handle it. <laughs> I still Because I'm dead. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the <tallest> skull joke. <laughs> All right. Oh, that is poor. With that, we're going to head out. Um, our next uh, show, which should be airing on podcasting in May 6th. Ooh. So, fun one for that episode. Um, yeah. Thanks for everybody who's been listening to this program. I hope you enjoyed this little EXP boost knowledge. And this is Amy Theater logging out. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is A Drinking Game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is made by Spice and Rose. You can find her at https colon forward slash forward slash spiceandrose.card.co. That's card with two R's. If you want to send us some financial support to help with producing things for Gaming Theater, you can do so at patreon.com slash gamingtheaterpresents. It helps us out. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.